Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you? You know, I am in quarantine, kind of. Well, you know, self-isolation, whatever you want to call it. I'm in my home office. I'm loving it. I've been working from home for a very long time anyway. Uh, my wife is also working from home, so that's interesting. Uh, the only thing that we've had to deal with, really, honestly, Peter, is when she comes down to my office and then she wants to start cleaning up my desk and stuff. I'm like, I like <laughs> it the way it is. Could you please? <laughs> She's wonderful. So we get to eat lunch together. That's kind of nice. Very nice. Good. Yeah. yeah the new norm, we're, right? Yeah. Well, hopefully we don't get too too used to it. Uh, we're we're <laughs> we're isolating as well, and frankly, it's uh, it's getting a little old. The four walls of my home office, yeah. and w- what I miss most is uh, is interacting with uh, with my staff and my and my clients directly and uh, and my my friends at the health club and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know just my normal day to day but Eric I've got nothing to complain about um, exactly yeah. you know we are doing we're all healthy families are good uh, and there's so many people uh, not just uh, locally but but around the globe that are truly suffering with this and uh, and our heart goes out to them, as well as uh, to those uh, really heroes that are healthcare workers yes. that are are working so hard to to uh, to get people better and to and, and to um, really provide for those in need. It's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, and I love seeing all the things that are that are happening. People coming together and working hard. Uh, to help each other. There are a lot of tutorials, and I'll just mention one thing, but a lot of little tutorials and things online where people are giving advice and, and helping people out. Uh, I know that a lot of states have have started to ask people to wear masks as they leave the home um, when they need to go out, and there's a lot of people putting tutorials online about how to make some pretty simple masks to protect yourself. And so coming together in a virtual world like this to be able to put out good information to help you know humanity and other people in just even in your own community I think is a fantastic thing so I love it and I love the topic of your podcast today because you know this is the reality we live in as far as the market's concerned you've got some bear market strategies that you're going to discuss and so again timely it's good news uh, it's it's you know even in a bear market there's positives so I love the the fact that this is going to be a positive podcast yeah, you know, it's positive in the sense that we're going to uh, we're going to do our best to help our listeners take advantage, mm-hmm. utilize this opportunity to to benefit their their portfolios and hopefully their long term planning. Uh, so, you know, just when we think about what's what what's happened this this global economic slowdown, which has been caused by this. Uh, this this virus COVID nineteen and and that the subsequent bear market it, it has opened up a few opportunities and and I'm going to talk about three of them but before I do I just I think it's important to just give give again I've I've done this on a couple of recent podcasts is just talk about my my point of view around long term positioning and and markets I do have complete faith that that economies around the globe are going to recover. Uh, I, I think there's going to be winners and losers, both countries, economies, 
companies, mm -hmm. but as a whole, I think the, the global economy is going to recover. Uh, and, and this is going to take time. I, I, I just can't, I'm not going to predict that or, or no predictions here about when that might occur. But I do believe it's going to happen. Yeah. So I want to give our, our listeners some historical perspective. Uh, and I think this is helpful. Uh, a bear market is defined as a 20% or more decline from a previous high. So that's our starting place. We're talking about a bear market. We're in a bear market now. Mm -hmm. uh, there, and, and since 1929, there have been 13 bear markets, including this recent decline that started in February of, of 2020. So there have been lots of other declines of less than 20%. And, and this speaks to the fact that the stock market is truly volatile. It's volatile. Mm -hmm. So, but this is in it. This is uh, really to, to an excess. It happened very, very quickly. Uh, but in general, bear markets are are pretty um, are pretty violent, and and market losses have ranged from negative twenty two percent to negative eighty six percent. That was the Great Depression. So that's a big range of bear mm -hmm. markets. The average loss is 42%. So pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, bear markets can also last a while. And, and that duration of a bear market can be anywhere from, from three months to 61 months. That's just histo history. And, and so far, this, this bear market we're, we're now experiencing is, has really been incredibly swift. We don't know how long it's gonna last. Uh, but the average bear market duration is 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 22 months. Mm -hmm. So that's just some historical perspective. Um, I will say that markets have always rebounded to new highs, and and we call these bull markets <laughs> when markets recover and, be, and go beyond. Mm -hmm. And and we we we've had um, lots of bull markets um, since 1929, and the average. Um, market recovery has lasted has lasted 54 months and has seen an appreciation of 162 percent wow yeah so the most recent bull market started in march of 2009 after the great recession and that lasted until february of 2020. so during that period the market appreciated uh 401 percent pretty significant and and that was actually the longest bull market in history for, um since then, since February of 2020 through March 31st of 2020, the market's down 24%, very significant. Mm -hmm. And the question that, that our clients are, are calling and asking about, and I'm sure our listeners are, are asking themselves about, where, where do we go from here? Uh, as, I, as I've said, I'm not going to predict anything, only that over time, I believe markets are going to recover. And if history is any sort of guide, will 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 surpass previous highs. You know, I, I'm not the only one that believes this. I, we listen to economists and 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 market strategists in across the globe. That's what they're saying. I think people like us have faith in capitalism as a whole and and markets uh, to really um, uh, do what. What, the, what they do best, which is capital goes to places which are generating profits. Mm -hmm. That's where I'd like to just start. I want to give a little historical perspective. I do believe we will recover. Yeah. And, and as I had looked at some of the statistics too, some of these bear markets have been relatively short. I mean, you've got some that are less than 70 days. 
Uh, I, I don't think we're in that situation right now, but all the information you gave just now, it's actually very hopeful in, in my opinion. And, and the fact that we had such a great bull market for so long, uh, I mean, I think you said over 400%. I mean, that, that's, that's great, right? So there's definitely some uh, silver lining to this and, and possible things to look forward to. Uh, so I, I'm, yeah, I, I don't want this to be gloom and doom. I know a lot of people, uh, again, Peter, you and I've talked about the, the fact that news companies, they're there to sell advertising. And so they're going to, they're going to say things on the news to get you to watch their show so that they can sell advertising to you. Uh, and a lot of it's kind of the, the gloom and doom or the scary stuff, uh, just to, to make you think you have to know what's going on. And uh, it's nice sometimes just to take a break and, and look at some of the data, look at some of the facts like you just gave us. So that's perfect. Thank you so much for that. Where do we go from here today? Yeah, so um, I, I think it, one of the things I mentioned before, I'm not the only one that believes in, in long-term markets. Uh, mm -hmm. Another uh, investor that people have most likely heard of is uh, Warren Buffett. Oh, yeah, um, that guy. <laughs> that guy, right. <laughs> He's and my Warren neighbor, Buffett, you know, in Omaha here. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, you know the world's greatest investors, but he's also uh, just such a wonderful communicator. As far as I'm concerned, he mm -hmm. he he just he communicates very very well in in, in in simple terms. And I just wanted to give you give four quotes that I think are timely uh, that he is he has said, and and I think they're all really important uh, for our clients to to really. Uh, listen to and have it, it helps us with perspectives. So the first quote is, uh, he said this that that whether we're talking about stocks or stocks, I like buying quality merchandise when it's marked down. <laughs> Perfect, exactly. Yeah, right now stocks are on sale. That's right. Uh, yep. Another quote: uh, We simply attempt to be fearful when others are greedy, and to be greedy only when others are fearful. Wow. Uh, I, and that's telling, you know, uh, during the Great Recession, uh, Warren Buffett stepped up and made some incredible investments in, in some of our largest banks and, uh, and made a fantastic return on his money with very little risk. Uh, but he was the he was able to get beyond greed. He had, he has the assets mm -hmm. and, and, and could make that investment. So uh, I, I, I love that quote, be fearful when everyone is, when everyone else is greedy. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and that's I think perfect for today. Uh, another quote uh, during a previous market crash, he said, it's uh, been an ideal period for investors. A climate of fear is their best friend. Those who invest only when commentators are upbeat end up paying a heavy price for meaningless reassurance. Mm, mm, yeah. And that just gets to the point where, um, you know, the, 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 as you said, the, the commentators are, are describing this circumstance in dire terms. And uh, people like Warren Buffett are buying good companies that are building, manufacturing, selling, servicing mm -hmm. uh, good products. And uh, and so he's thinking long term. And 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 that, another quote relative to his long term approach to investing is: I never attempt to make money on the stock market. I buy on the assumption that they would close the market the next day and reopen in five years. Gotta love the Oracle of Omaha. Yeah, <laughs> as as he's called. Yeah, exactly. Some great quotes. Yeah, and, and he's got. Hundreds more. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's uh, anyway. so volatility is normal. Uh, bear markets 
really should be expected. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, I think you should expect them at least once every 10 years. Um, historically, that's what we've seen, sometimes a little sooner, sometimes a little later. So it's part of the deal when we invest in the stock market. We, we, we don't think about it after we've had fantastic returns. Uh, human beings suffer from what I call you know, a short-term bias. Mm -hmm. We're only thinking about the most recent period of time. Other people call it recency bias. We're, we're biased toward things that have happened most recently. But bear markets happen. They happen about every 10 years, expect it. And so we have to look at, at different strategies. And that's what I want to do today, talk about three different tax-driven strategies that uh, could, could very well be, be helpful to our clients. All right. Okay, so the first one I want to talk about is uh, tax loss harvesting. And I've talked about this in previous podcast when we're talking about tax mm -hmm. planning. Um, so when, when markets drop significantly, it's, an, it's a great opportunity to realize losses in your portfolio. Now, no one likes the way that sounds, to yeah. realize <laughs> losses. It sounds terrible. But I, again, I just want to give you a little bit of background how this works. If you purchase an, you purchase an investment asset for a specific price, say $10 per share, and the asset drops in value to say $8 a share, you now have an unrealized loss of $2. Hmm. So let's say you retain the stock, wait for it to cover back to $10, $10. all's good. And maybe it increases to $12 a share. Now you have an unrealized gain of $2. It's gone up, you're happy. You bought it at 10, it's now at 12. Mm -hmm. So I'd say, All's even better now that you've recovered from your loss, plus there's a gain. Okay. So that's that's just a typical situation. Now, let's say you purchase uh, that same stock at $10 a share. You watch it drop to $8 and then recover back to $10, and then it increases to $12. If you sell the stock at $12, now you have a realized gain of $2 per share. Mm-hmm. And, and and you have to your your cost basis was ten dollars your capital gain was two dollars and you have to pay capital gains tax on that sale so taxes are, are a negative you know you, you it's it's out it's out of pocket mm -hmm. remember it's not what you it's not what you make it's it's what you keep yes so let's look at another example you purchase that ten dollars uh, that that share for ten dollars per share and you sold it, you, when it drops, you sell it at $8 per share. Now you have a realized loss of $2 per share. Mm -hmm. This $2 share loss can be used to offset other capital gains you incur in this tax year or in future tax years. You don't lose it. Mm -hmm. So if you incur a capital gain in, in 2020, for example, you can use that loss that you've realized to offset that capital gain. Also, you can use up to $3,000 of losses each year to offset regular income. All right. Okay, so uh, otherwise capital losses can only be used to offset capital gains. So this is a way to, to reduce your, 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 your taxable income a little bit. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm just continuing along here. Let's say you sell a stock or a bond or a fund for a loss. You now have a loss that can be used to offset future gains or up to $3,000 of regular income per year. 
So you turn around and you take those same proceeds that you've that you've taken a loss on and you purchase a different stock bond or a fund. So you're staying fully invested. And now you have these losses that you that you can use strategically and to your advantage. Mm -hmm. So it's really a timing issue. If you realize the loss, you're able to use that loss to offset future gains and maybe offset income. I think that's good. Now, just a, a caveat here: um, we want to beware. We want to beware of of wash sales. You, you don't want to sell one security and buy the same security within within 30 days. Mm-hmm. If you if you do that, the IRS doesn't allow you to take the deduction in that case. I was actually just going to ask you that question because my thought was you you've got a stock that it has dropped. Uh, you you think the future looks good for it? Uh, obviously, we don't have a crystal ball, but you your scenario you bought it for 10 now it's at eight you sell that by a different stock so you're saying as long as you wait 30 days you could then let's say the other stock that you purchase stays even the entire time right there is no gain there is no loss it stays exactly the same you decide to sell that and buy your old stock back you just have to wait 31 days or just after 30 days after 30 days exactly Ah, okay that's good all right so those people that kind of hold on to those stocks, or, or I know a lot of people, and, and you've, you've spoken about this before, sometimes people have emotional connections to stocks, right? Maybe they have an emotional connection to it because it's it's their company, right? It's their company stock, and so they've got some of that, and they, they have pride in their company. But at the same time, this is a tactic that they could use to you know realize some loss, and then 30 days later, if they feel like they want to purchase that stock back, they could do that, and, and they don't have to worry about not having that stock that they wanted before. So I, I think that's a pretty good strategy. Yeah, exactly. Some people um, take the, the next step. They want to be in the market because you don't want to be out of the market for, for a long period of time. A lot can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what a lot of people do is buy, they buy a similar stock in a similar industry. Mm-hmm. It may not be their first for their first choice, but it's it's a, it's a good stock, good company, good industry, or they might buy a um, an index of stocks that are mm-hmm. in a similar industry. So they're they're staying in the market, and and so they can move in and out of of stocks, realize losses, uh, or, or realize gains as well, and take advantage of of tax loss harvesting. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, so it's a, it's a worthwhile strategy, I think. Uh, but remember, like all tax-oriented strategies, you don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog. Mm-hmm. So the primary objective of your investments is, is to provide after-tax net of inflation positive returns that helped you meet your long-term objectives. So I think tax loss harvesting is a complement to really good investment and risk management. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So that's that's the first strategy. Uh, the other, the next strategy I want to talk about, which is also I think an important risk management tool, is rebalancing. And it's so important to re, to review your portfolio allocations on a regular basis, you know, at least once a year, and more more likely, you know, three four times a year. Mm-hmm. So the important consideration is your long term strategic allocation between your different asset classes. You know, what kind of your allocation between cash, stocks and bonds, but also your exposure to certain sectors of the economy, different countries, different kinds of stocks like small company or large company stocks. 
we, we, we just we don't want our investments to drift and become too heavily concentrated in a specific security, an industry or a country. Mm-hmm. And that can happen if, if, when you're investing in, in stocks because the stocks that you might initially invest in could do quite well for a long period of time. And so I, and I see this all the time with clients that that um, that have made investment choices in their 401k plans years ago. A lot of people don't change their their 401k investments. They, they've allocated their investments. And at the time they did that, they thought they were diversifying appropriately. And maybe they were at the time. But over time, certain asset classes might outperform other asset classes. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, stocks outperformed bonds significantly since the Great Recession of 2007 and 9. So U.S. stocks outperformed non-U.S. stocks during that same time period. Mm-hmm. A large company growth stocks outperformed large company value stocks during that same period. So if you didn't review your allocation for, for let's say, 10 years, you'd find that you were taking on more concentrated risk in certain industries or different parts of the uh, of the stock market, you may be overweighted in stocks and and underweighted in um, in bonds, mm-hmm. and so you now your ideal portfolios become more risky than you than you want it to be, and 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 now maybe you're ten years older, and just because of that reality, you're closer to retirement and you want less risk. So it could be a, a double whammy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> yeah, so so n- when when we're in bear markets like we're in, it's appropriate to to start thinking about rebalancing. You know, we've all heard the term buy low and sell high, and to me, ongoing rebalancing is a systematic plan that lets you do that consistently going forward. So you're selling your best performing stocks or funds or asset classes at higher values and moving them back into stocks, funds, or asset classes that have been underperforming. Mm-hmm. The advantage of that is you're keeping your risk in check. Now, now we don't want to do rebalancing all the time when markets go up and down. So, you know, if a market goes up today and down tomorrow, we don't necessarily want to be <laughs> rebalancing that quickly. Yeah. Uh, it, it'd just be too much. It's too much of a, it, there could be trading costs. It could be some um, uh, tax costs, but we just want to do it consistently. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a, a review, bear markets offer us this opportunity to reduce concentrated positions. And, and, and now I think it's also a good reminder for those clients that have had um, inherited stocks or they purchased a stock uh, years ago that's done very, very well, now maybe it's become 5, 10, 15% of their overall portfolio. Well, now that the market's down, now that their stock uh, may be worth less in value, may, may, maybe now is a good time to to rebalance and cut that position down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I like to see a silver lining in this, in this, in this very difficult time. Yeah, absolutely. How do your how do the conversations go with your clients when you talk about rebalancing and, and uh, I mean, you, you said two, three, maybe four times a year. Are they pretty open to it? Is that part of the initial conversation of, hey, this is how we do our planning? Um, do you have anybody that's, especially right now, is like, well, why aren't we rebalancing? Are they kind of panicking or, or how are you handling those conversations? 
Yeah, good, really good question. I had a recent conversation with a client who um, he's a, a, a younger fellow. He's in his 40s. He's uh, going to be you know, working for another 20 years at least. And he said, geez, this might be an opportunity to take some 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 do some tax loss harvesting in his in his uh, portfolio that's primarily in stocks. And I said, you know, yeah, we could do that. Um, and you capture a little bit of a, of, of, a, of a loss, but it really wasn't that much. And, you know, because we're, we're, things are so volatile, you know, and, and there's a good chance, I, I, I'm not predicting it, but there's a chance that the markets before the end of the year are going to come up to where they were at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know for certain, but it, but it could happen. And if that's the case, then, then this idea of tax loss harvesting may not really be that helpful. You know, so, so, uh, and rebalancing is the same sort of thing. It may not be helpful when we've seen significant, um, when we see significant volatility, when we see swings like we've had, like we've had yesterday. The the market was up uh, well over five percent, six percent, seven percent. It could be down five percent tomorrow. You know, it, so it's it's hard to do it in, in at these points in time. Mm-hmm. I think you want to get a better sense of. Of uh, of where things are. So my conversations with clients are um, are, are primarily uh, let's let's take a look at this systematically. Let's take a look at this in a few months when when we we understand uh, what's happening with with uh, uh, social isolation mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the economy, and let's get a better handle. But you know, I think it makes it does make sense to look at it now and make some decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't know what the face of a lot of businesses are going to be. Um, I know that mortgage companies are, are stepping up and, and helping people to defer payments. Car companies are doing the same. Any, anybody who's loaned money, they're kind of looking at what they can do to assist people at, at this point, which is, again, going to have an effect long term on, on different areas, different regions. You know, the housing market's going to be effective. There's a lot going on. So, I think correct. You know, just I mean, you're the expert, but I've heard you say it before. Stick to the plan. We 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 prepared for this. Uh, let's see what's going to happen and kind of what's going to shake out here in the next few months. Yep, I think that's right. Right. Uh, another the the third tax planning strategy I wanted to briefly talk about uh, are Roth conversions. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, IRA Roth conversions, Roth IRA conversions in the past, and I, I'll review that uh, briefly. But but again, back to my point of view that markets are lower now than they will likely be in the future, and here I'm saying maybe five years, ten years from now, and if that's the the, the case, consider converting a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. I've talked about this uh, previously. Uh, and I just want to review it. Uh, so let's let's quickly review the differences between a Roth and a traditional IRA. Uh, traditional IRAs have, have typically not been taxed. Mm-hmm. Your your contributions are tax deferred. Your earnings are tax deferred. But when you withdraw funds, typically after age 59 and a half, uh, withdrawals are taxed as regular income. And the uh, traditional IRAs also force you to take withdrawals called required minimum distributions, mm-hmm. starting at age now starting at age 72. If if someone turned 70 and a half prior to uh, December 31st, 2019, uh, required minimum distributions needed to start in the year you turned 70 and a half. So that's that's just traditional IRAs. Roth IRAs are are accounts that offer tax-free accumulation. 
Mm -hmm. but you can only make contribution with dollars that have already been taxed as regular income. So unlike traditional IRAs or, tr or, or traditional 401k accounts, your contributions to a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k are not deductible, mm -hmm. but you don't pay taxes on the withdrawals yes. when you take it out. And uh, another advantage of Roths is that there are no required minimum distributions. So it is possible to convert your traditional IRA or a portion of it to a Roth IRA. When you do so, the amount you convert is taxed as regular income. But the advantage there is that future growth will now be tax-free. Ah, uh, got yep, yep. So, so here's the planning strategy. Uh, stocks are worth less than they, they, than they will be in the future. That's my point of view. Uh, Roth conversions allow you to transfer discounted dollars from a tax-deferred environment to a tax-free environment. And, and I think that's pretty powerful if you look out over a, 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 you know, a 10, 20, or 30-year time horizon. Mm -hmm. So just as an example, Sally's recently retired. She's in a fairly low tax bracket. She's got a, a traditional uh, IRA that's valued at 100000 or was valued at 100000 and now it's worth 80000 She thinks the market's going to rebound over time, mm -hmm. and so she wants to convert some of her Roth. So if she pays tax on $80,000 of income now, all of her earnings inside the Roth IRA over the next 30 years are going to grow tax-free. So she's really moved money, uh, discounted money, into a tax-free environment, and that's the strategy. Got it. Okay. It's something we've talked about, but it's taking advantage of that lower value, uh, and so therefore your your taxable income that you'll have to recognize is less. Mm -hmm. Eric, I'd like to uh, just add one more uh, brief bit. I, we, we're running short on time, uh, and and this it relates to uh, again bear market strategies as well as Roth conversions. Uh, Congress recently passed. Uh, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, which we're, we're, they're calling the CARES Act. Oh, they love their acronyms. <laughs> they do, the CARES Act. And, and this is really an important, it, it, very important, very worthwhile uh, uh, act. Uh, I, I think it's, it's going to make a big difference uh, getting us out of this uh, the malaise that we're in from an economic perspective. I just want to mention one item. And, and uh, we'll go, move on. But this is concerning required minimum distributions. Okay. The CARES Act suspended required minimum distributions for uh, for the calendar year 2020. Oh, good. Yeah. At first blush, it doesn't sound like such a big deal. And for many of our clients, it's 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 not. They, they are many of our clients are taking required minimum distributions because they need them. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah. their income. That's part of their pay. But those, yeah. <laughs> it's part of their pay. Uh, they plan for that. But, but for, for those clients that are not in need of their uh, required minimum distribution in 2020, uh, consider um, uh, de deferring taking it in, in this calendar year. Mm -hmm. I, I suggest, I strongly suggest that our clients reach out to uh, their professional advisors uh, people like myself, um, our clients hopefully will, will reach out to us. We're, we're distributing information about this, but it can be really advantageous. Uh, with less income in 2020, uh, it may off open up uh, the door to do 
more of a Roth conversion mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. 2020, take advantage of this bear market that we're in. That's what I wanted to mention. Uh, there are some detailed provisions that we need to address and be concerned about, um, especially for those that have already taken their required minimum distribution. So there is there is some um, urgency that, that it needs to be addressed. But but I just wanted to mention it and, and please reach out to us. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna uh, publish some additional information about the CARES Act and, and how, how this might be beneficial. Peter, I'm, I'm, not, of a, I'm not of that age yet <laughs> where I have to worry about RMDs. But so w- with that suspension, are you saying that if somebody's required minimum distribution was $50,000 a year, say, they could say, you know what? I'm gonna be able to rejigger some things within my budget. I'm gonna be able to do some things here, and instead of taking full fifty, I'm gonna be able to. I'm just gonna take twenty. Can they just take a lesser amount or nothing at oh, all? Oh sure, I, I know nothing at yeah. all. But okay, see, I think that's great. The opportunity to leave an extra twenty, thirty thousand in their account. Wow, that's that's fantastic. But again, I'm not a professional, and I agree with you. Please reach out to your professional, and uh, uh, Peter is a professional. So if you don't have a professional working for you right now, please give Peter a call. Peter, what's the number that can reach you at? Uh, 617-728-7433. You can reach us by email as well at peter.raskin at lfg.com. Fantastic. And any closing thoughts for today's podcast? We're in a situation that none of us uh, predicted or actually want, but these are opportunities and things that that we can um, implement that that might help us going forward and and again part of the the goal here for for any of our our clients is to is to is to get home is to is to is to help their financial plan help them along this journey Mm -hmm. Uh, and and this is something that will will we think help fantastic and if you have not been on peter's website please go check it out because really it is robust they have great information great resources there peter thank you so much for your time today thanks eric you bet and thank you for listening to the wealth is in the details podcast with peter raskin if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet please click the subscribe now button below this way when peter comes out with a new podcast it'll show up directly on your listening device This also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if you've got friends and family in a situation that any of these tips could help them in this market, please, by all means, share it with them. I know that they'll appreciate it. I'm sure that they'll appreciate any help in these times. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors.
Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.